Hello, Birds fans, Philly fans, and football lovers. Welcome to From a Fan's Perspective, the Birds podcast. As a fan, I'm not really sure where to begin after week one. This feels a bit familiar, where the team is underperforming when expectations were high. But as a fan, this is where we should start. It was just week one on a short offseason that had plenty of challenges. There are 15 games in this season, so I don't want to go overboard with criticism, but here we go. The team that we saw play against Washington is not the team who they will be. It's not the team going forward. Miles Sanders will change this offense when he comes back onto the field, which hopefully is in week two, and signs are pointing that way so far. But with that being said, the Eagles can't move forward with Miles, Boston, and Corey Clement. Corey Clement did not look good on the field. Boston Scott is not a number two running back that can hold up when Miles Sanders is out. He's a good spell running back, but he can't fill in as a number one. The offensive line needs a makeover, which I fear means trading Zach Ertz. I don't want to trade to the Cowboys. That won't happen anyway. Whoever came out with that report this week is idiotic. But the offensive line does need a veteran to come in on that right guard spot. Or we need to put Matt Pryor there and put him in the position that he was in when he succeeded at the end of the year last year and supposedly in training camp. Whatever they do, they cannot and will not give up eight sacks a game. Because Lane Johnson coming back is going to completely change things. He says he's going to play against the Rams. So let's not just give away Zach Ertz if that's the only way to get an offensive lineman. Let's see how this goes with Lane Johnson in the lineup and Miles Sanders in the backfield. But if there is an offer for a younger offensive lineman and they want Ertz, how we should really consider that. The front office already has done Wentz a disservice by not fortifying this offensive line. We got Hurts instead in the draft, and who knows when we'll see why. But regardless, there needs to be changes on this offensive line if Lane Johnson coming back doesn't change things. Week two will, like I said, be a different story because we're going to have Lane Johnson back and hopefully Miles Sanders. In week one, the wide receivers were not terrible. It was interesting that Deshaun Jackson wasn't on the field as much as we thought he would be, and John Hightower probably shouldn't have been on the field yet. Hightower and Reger had two balls come to them that resulted in interceptions, and I'm not letting Wentz get off scot-free, but they take a little bit of responsibility in that as well. They're now in the NFL. They cannot continue to let the ball come to them. In my draft preview episode, I talked about how I liked Denzel Mims and T. Higgins because they actually went up and got the ball. So far, Rager and John Hightower have had that rookie season reveal that they don't go up and get the ball. Hopefully that changes. It was only one week. We have to keep this in perspective and realize that it's not the season. It's one week. They performed very badly and hopefully it turns around. Now, on the coaching side, I have a couple complaints. The first is with the balance. I, I I'm beating this dead horse, but Doug Peterson needs balance. And here's a prime example of it. On 32 first downs that the Eagles had, they only ran the ball nine times. That's pathetic. Running the ball on first down is going to get you ahead in the game. And they were ahead 17-0, and they still only ran the ball nine times on first down. That's pathetic. In the second half of the 15 first downs that they had, only three were runs. That's absolutely awful. And the run pass breakdown was 17 rushes to 42 passes. That's 28% running, 72% passing. That is not balance. So Doug just really needs to go back to the drawing board on this offense, especially with the offensive line in the state that it was in week one. He really just needs to get back to whatever they did early in that game and 
start letting that offense work in Wentz's favor instead of against him. But Wentz, he was great at the beginning, but something changed. And maybe it was the end of the scripted plays. Maybe it was the aggressiveness changing because they had the lead. Regardless, he was running for his life. But despite that, he needs to be smarter situationally. This week, I realized, I heard it on sports radio, that Carson Wentz has only thrown the ball away 13 times since 2018. A quarterback needs to throw the ball away. There's going to be times where the line breaks down and you're going to have to throw the ball away. He needs to understand that it's not a failure. It's avoiding a failure. It's showing you realize the situation. And there's another play coming that you can start with without having a loss of yardage or a turnover. He doesn't need to hit the home run every single time that he's on the field. So I just want him to play smarter. He needs to take calculated risks. Sure, try to avoid the sack sometimes. To get back to winning, he has to make those smarter decisions to throw the ball away or get rid of the ball quicker to begin with. He was holding on to the ball in some of these situations very long. Week two is show me something for Wentz. And I really need him to step up. But is he going to? From my perspective, I think he will. Now, in the red zone, the defense did awful. They allowed touchdowns 75% of the time. Since 2017, They've let touchdowns in the red zone 55% or less. I know it was only one game, so 75% is a skewed number, but that is still an awful number. When the defense had a full field, though, I did see a lot of success. The defense was definitely better on a full field, and the offense definitely put them in a bad position very often. Which brings me to my next point. One of those times was when... Doug went for it on fourth down in the fourth quarter. He needs to stop going for it on every fourth down. And I get it from a fan's perspective. You want your coach to be aggressive and you don't get to pick and choose to only be aggressive when it works. I'm not saying that every time he goes for it, it has to work, but this is again, situational. You had three timeouts, four minutes and 30 seconds left. You are on your own 42 yard line. You should punt the ball there because you're, Getting the opportunity to pin a young quarterback deep on his side of the field and the pressure gets put on him then. Instead, you give them an easy field goal to take the lead to two possessions. You were only down by seven points, which is, it's not an insurmountable lead with four minutes left and three timeouts, especially with how Dwayne Haskins actually was performing out throughout the rest of the game. But that's the end of the rant, the end of my negativity and criticism. I am looking forward and I did get a couple positives out of this game one of them was about Jalen Rager I I think that overall his speed is real I think he just needs to kind of mold into being an NFL receiver I I don't think he was perfect by any means but I think he can definitely progress to be something special Goddard he really stepped up I think that you can see a clear improvement from last year Not that he was not good last year, but I just saw some more confidence in him. And I think he's here to stay and he's going to be playing a lot and making an impact. And Avante Maddox, I think that many people were skeptical of him being cornerback number two, but he actually did pretty well in this game. We'll keep an eye on that going forward, but I think that he can be a cornerback too. And it's a, it's a great success story if it continues. And 
even though the defense gave up 27 points, I said this earlier, they did well on a full field. I think some of the touchdowns in the red zone was based on chemistry. They obviously had the miscommunication on the one touchdown, but that will come around. It's a, it's a new group playing together on a short offseason. I really think that a lot of what was wrong in this game was chemistry. And the first three possessions of this game on offense were great. They need to really harness that and move forward with it and keep building off of that. Sure, review the film, see what you did wrong everywhere else, but also go back to what you were doing then. Don't forget what you were doing those first three possessions because it worked. And luckily, the Cowboys lost. So the rest of the NFC East is in a three-way tie behind the Washington football team. It was a very interesting week one in the NFL. Um, I think that one of the things that stuck out to me was about home field advantage. During the offseason, I talked about how no fans could really impact that home field advantage that a lot of teams have, the Eagles being one of them. And this week, we saw home teams go 8-8. Eight and eight. Four of the favorites lost at home, and three underdogs won at home. So the jury is still out on if home field advantage is being affected by no fans, and we're going to keep an eye on it. I'm going to keep those records throughout the year, but I just think that that was something that really stuck out to me. I, I didn't look back to see what it was last year on week one, but I do feel like 8-8 eight and eight is a little low for home teams, especially when nine of them were favored. So week two. The Eagles are going to be facing the Rams, who are coming in as a 1-0 team with a victory over the Cowboys. They are going to be trouble, especially if that offensive line performs the way they did last year, last week. Aaron Donald was amazing against the Cowboys, and he's going to eat Carson Wentz for lunch if the O-line plays that way. And like I said, Lane Johnson will be back, so hopefully with that, we'll see some more success. I mean, everybody saw this, but John Clark put out a statistic that with Lane Johnson under Doug Peterson he's 36 and 17 when Doug Peterson doesn't have Lane Johnson they're 6 and 12 so he definitely makes a difference but we're going to talk about that more in our Sunday pregame episode which I just want to plug here every Sunday on Instagram and Facebook I'm going to go live and it'll be between 10 and 11 we'll be talking about what's coming up in the game. So we're going to go a little bit more in depth with the Rams and see what it's like for week two. And just pay attention for that. Subscribe to me on Spotify and you'll get the, the episode there. But also if you follow on Instagram and Facebook, when the live video starts, you'll be notified and you can jump right in and see it before it's posted to Spotify. So around the rest of the NFL though, what we're going to see is a boring Thursday night game, in my opinion. It's Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow. Uh, If Baker was doing a little better in his career, I think this would be a very interesting matchup, but unfortunately he's not. And then the Falcons versus the Cowboys. Can we see possibly the Cowboys go 0-2? The Falcons are a decent team, but it is at Jerry World. And like I said about home field advantage, it might not be as big of an advantage this year. It's going to be a tough week two opponent for the Cowboys because they lost Vander Esch, they lost Jarwin. We'll see what happens. I do think that the Cowboys will pull it out at home, but who knows? Washington is playing Arizona, and against Kyler Murray, is this is this a Washington defense going to succeed the way they did against the Eagles? We'll see. I don't think that they're going to keep up the same pace, but 
they actually look pretty good on defense. And then we have Ravens versus the Texans. That's a game that I'm going to be interested in. Unfortunately, it's at the same time as the Eagles game, but it'll be a high-powered offensive game. And Houston faltered in the second half against the Chiefs, but they still impressed in the beginning. And then Lamar Jackson just is always fun to watch. Chiefs and Chargers will be interesting. Um, I think that Tyrod Taylor is definitely different from Phillip Rivers in the Chargers offense, and he's going to be going against Mahomes, so that'll be fun. And then the Chicago Bears have a bye this week because they'll be playing the New York Giants. The Giants looked awful in week one, especially their offensive line. It's the only one that might have done worse than the Eagles. Saquon Barkley was held to almost no yardage. So now I'm going to talk about my picks of the week, though. Um, the, the locks of the week, I think, which last week I went 2-1 and one in these locks. I I think that the Cincinnati versus Cleveland game, the line is currently minus 6 for Cleveland. I think Cincinnati is going to win that outright, so I'm taking the money line on that. The money line is plus 215 for Cincinnati. I hate Thursday night games, but I just think that overall talent wins out in the NFL, and Joe Burrow is just a better talent than Baker Mayfield. And then the next one is Jacksonville versus Tennessee. The line is Tennessee minus nine. I'm going to take Jacksonville plus nine in this, though. I think it's an easy one. Tennessee is going to win the game, probably. But I don't think that they're going to win by almost two possessions. Jacksonville actually impressed a little bit in week one. And I think that they're going to keep that up. I don't know if it's because they just don't have a star on the team and they just really play as a team. But something's working there, and I'm going to keep my eye on the Jacksonville team this year. And then Chicago versus New York. I'm picking Chicago, minus five, five and a half. Uh, Trubitsky is not my favorite quarterback. He's not a top quarterback in my eyes. But Matt Nagy is a great coach, and I think coaching is going to win this one because all he has to do is outsmart Jason Garrett. (laughs) And we all know how that clapper can easily be outsmarted. So then I'm going to pick my survivor pick now. So last week I picked Pittsburgh. They pulled it out against the Giants. And this week I'm going with Tampa Bay. Tom Brady is not losing two weeks in a row. And it was a rocky start last week. But I don't think he comes out flat again this week. A couple other strong picks that you could go with would be Tennessee and Pittsburgh again. Um... And a stretch pick would be Buffalo. I think that they could win, but I I don't love that they're at Miami. Uh, I, I think that Miami lost last week, but Ryan Fitzpatrick can come back, and we know how that works. So I, I'd, I'd stay away from it, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills win. Last week I went 8 for 8 for my straight-up picks. If you want to see those, those are posted on fromafampod.com. And you'll see the full list there. And then the daily fantasy lineup. So, um, again, using DraftKings, last week we didn't do well. I did win $0.75 with my lineup. So I'm going to put that in the bank. Um, But this week I'm going with Ryan Tannehill, Naeem Hines from Indianapolis, Alvin Kamara, Adam Thielen, Amari Cooper, Sammy Watkins, Johnu Smith, Robbie Anderson, and Cincinnati as my defense. So I think that's where we're going to leave it off here. Um, I am excited to see what happens in week two. 
I was disappointed in week one, but I really don't think that that team is the team that the Eagles are. And I really hope that we get to see a better performance in week two. And again, we'll cover that on Sunday. We'll be live between 10 and 11 and we'll get moving with this season. I think that there's a lot to come yet. It's only week two. Thanks for listening. And as always, go birds. (laughs) 